0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. This is one I never thought we would do this time of year. A late October, early November, Brooklyn Nets off-season preview. But that's what 2020 has done to us and joining me right now to talk all things about this basketball team uh, formerly of CBS Sports Network now he's on a bigger and better things he's got like a incredibly popular podcast I think he's got a few of
1: them Uh, Mike Biseglia, Mikey how are you pal I'm doing great Evan thank you for the introduction Uh, all is good and the first thing I thought of because of the time of year it is right now is Like, we should be in game four of the Kevin Durant era, and the Nets are (laughs) 4-0. But it's like, man, we're still not there yet. My my wife the other day was like, I don't believe he's this good. I don't even believe he really exists. I'm like, I don't believe you. that's what I'm
0: thinking. I'm thinking, is is Kevin Durant a real person? I mean, it's amazing. Like, we knew after they signed him last June, hey, it's going to be a while before we see him play. Like, we had all accepted that. Right. But now it's even further along. I mean, it's, it's let's keep pushing this thing back. And, and look, I think all this is going to come together in some of the thoughts I've had about what to do and what not to do during this offseason. But one of the things that's come out over the last few days and weeks is that this basketball season is going to start in late December. Right, And that wasn't always a guarantee. There was a thought of pushing it back to January, even as late as February and March, because from a revenue standpoint, they certainly want fans in the arena, which I completely understand. I don't know about you, in theory, a few months ago, I agreed with that. Hey, push it back as far as you can, not from a competitive standpoint for the Nets, but just a, it would be great to have fans in the stands, but I just don't know how realistic that is anytime soon. And so I think it is important for the NBA to get back on the regular calendar. I thought this last year's calendar was completely out of whack. We know why, but it was difficult to get into the NBA finals in October, so Do you agree that starting this year, late December, having a condensed season to get back on track is the right call
1: for the NBA? I think it's the right call. I think it's the only call for them. They have to get back on track. And I understand what happened, obviously. I don't have to explain it to everybody. But things got out of whack, and they have to get some semblance of getting it back together. And I understand there's going to be consequences of that, like... I don't know. LeBron James not playing a lot of nights or Kawhi Leonard not playing a lot of nights because these teams went deep into the season. But these are strange times, and it is what it is, to be cliche, on that front. And they're just going to have to do it, and they have to get back on track, or else you're just going to find yourself in this never-ending pool of disaster where it's not on the right track, off on the left, off on the right. And at some point, there has to be a little bit of uncomfortability just to get things back on track a little bit and even them, even themselves out. I think there will be modifications. And, I- and-, and-, and with that, I think the fans as well have to understand there's going to be nights where the players they want to see now granted they might not even be there so who cares but there's going to be guys that don't play it's just it's just a a function of what's going to happen
0: yeah and look I've always looked at stars playing and not stars playing stars deciding to play and stars deciding not to play under the thought of does it give my team the best chance to win Mm -hmm. and I don't mean the team I root for but if I'm a fan of the Los Angeles Clippers or I'm a fan of the Toronto Raptors or I'm a fan of the LA Lakers deciding to sit one of my stars forget about the impact that night. What is the goal of this? Is this going to help me win an NBA title? A few years ago, it helped Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. I think it backfired on the LA Clippers. Mm -hmm. I think they had such a lack of chemistry. There was no ability to just flip a switch and have all of these pieces that were put together recently. And they didn't have a lot of time to play together It wasn't like, boom, this is a video game. Everybody's got great chemistry. So any decision that's made, whether it's Brooklyn Net related or another team related, to me, it's all about winning a championship. That's what this whole thing is about. I understand it's entertainment, but it's also winning an NBA title. So if I have tickets to a game and a star is not playing and I accept, hey, I got to be careful with my stars. I got to make sure they're healthy going into the postseason. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying I have the majority opinion on it, but that's the goal if you're a head coach or a general manager or a star player. It's how do I win an NBA championship? But what I think is really interesting, bro, is that the Clippers watched it backfire. Mm-hmm. And I think the Nets in 2021 have to be very careful that their star players, and really the core in general, Get enough time to play together. You just can't assume everything's going to be great in April, May, and June. No, you
1: really you really can, and those are two interesting examples because that Raptors team with Kawhi was obviously still really good without him, and they proved to be a really good team in the Eastern Conference the next year. Not a title-level team, but still a team that can contend in the East, wreck havoc, destroy the Nets in the first round of the playoffs. But you're right. On the Clippers side of things, that lack of chemistry killed them. Now, that was such a weird season because of how the herky-jerkiness of it. So maybe if it was a regular, regular season and they went that route with the Clippers, maybe it turns out differently. But because of what we saw with going to the bubble, playing here, not playing there, that may have caused it to be a little different. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this Nets team has never seen the court together once as a unit as a full team of full strength. Like, you know, we're watching the Bubble Nets and Joe Harris is their second best player. The idea <laughs> of watching the Brooklyn Nets I was just about to say New Jersey Nets for some reason. The the that's idea okay. of watching the Brooklyn Nets this year, Joe Harris has to be the sixth, seventh best player in the team that's a piece for the title, and they all come together. So I'm with you. This team's got to get some minutes together. They've got to play. And then just, you know, knock on wood from a health perspective that they're able to do that, and it's not even a minutes restriction thing. It's like a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are actually healthy and on the court thing, and they can go out and get some minutes together.
0: Well, and this goes to the real question, and there's a lot of things we'll discuss throughout this podcast about the Nets offseason. But it leads to the the big question, which is, do you trade for a third star? Or is Karis LeVert already that guy? And I, I've always leaned against it for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons I've leaned against it is I need to build my team. And maybe this isn't the right approach. And maybe Sean Marks doesn't have this approach. But this certainly goes through my head. I want to have an eye on what if Kyrie isn't healthy. I can't do that with Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant's not healthy, they're not winning an NBA championship. It's yeah. as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But Kyrie Irving has had a very difficult time staying healthy. I I can't believe that all of a sudden that's not going to be the case. I mean, all you got to do is look at the last few years, even look at his time in college, look at his entire NBA career. Kyrie's had a tough time staying healthy. And so a part of why I've been afraid of trading for a third star is you're going to have to give up basically all of the depth of this basketball team in doing so. There's a chance that both Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert wouldn't be a part of this team. Now, Can they win a title without Kyrie Irving? Look, I understand that that's not the game plan, but they certainly have a better chance of doing so than if they ever lost Kevin Durant. So I was always turned off by that thought. But here's the other thought, bro. This offseason is going to probably start in late November. Okay? (laughs) November 20th, whatever it is. Training camp is going to start 10 days later. Crazy. This is a roster that's had workouts together, which is great. You know, Kevin Durant and Karis LaVert and Spencer, they're all working out together. That's fantastic. I don't know how easy it's going to be as we talk about chemistry to now break that apart, bring in somebody else and say, okay, now you got a two-week preseason. Then you're going to have a condensed NBA season. Go win an NBA championship. I think that is another element. It's a new element because we didn't realize that we were probably going to have a week and a half offseason. You know, we didn't think that was going to be the case. But that's on my mind, man, that I'd be very careful about breaking up this roster too significantly. I know they haven't played together, but they have practice
1: together. They have scrimmage together. That part of it doesn't worry me as much if they were able to make a deal where they brought in a third star and they weren't giving up too much and it worked. Maybe in the short term, yeah, they'd be a little more out of sync. But in the long term of winning a championship, I'd be okay with that. But to your original point about it, based on just the – the depth and having backups when Kyrie Irving inevitably does go out, the idea that you don't have depth at that position would terrify me. I, 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 Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't have the ability that Kyrie Irving does, but Spencer Dinwiddie is more than capable of going in and substituting for a couple of week stretches and being a guy that can provide offense and leadership and move the ball around and help the team out. I'd be scared to trade these guys, and I look at value of what other NBA players think of guys, and when I hear Damian Lillard praising what he said about Karis LeVert, like that that means something to me. When you have a guy that's, that's that much of a killer and that much of a great player and proved himself during the bubble to be one of the best elite players in the league, going out and saying like Karis LeVert is on the verge of taking it to the next level— i rather gamble on keeping Karras, keeping all of the surrounding pieces around him, and then going to war with these guys as opposed to shipping Karis, shipping Karis, shipping Jared Allen, and then getting in return a Bradley Beal. To me, I'm like, it's just not enough there. Now, if they're able to make a deal where they get a can't-miss superstar third player, like, oh, I don't know, like I'm not saying this is a realistic option, but Kawhi's the guy, okay, then you go out and make the trade. But other than getting that level of player, I'm not doing it for a Bradley Beal type player.
0: Well, let's go through then the, and I wouldn't even say realistic, I'd say the somewhat realistic. Obviously, a guy like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, they're not out there. I don't know what I say about Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think he's out there. I still think he'll (laughs) super max it back with Milwaukee. But we'll leave him out of the equation because I think we'd all agree if somehow the Bucks decided they were going to trade Giannis, right. then you basically say, here's the entire roster, you know, outside of Kevin Durant and I guess Kyrie Irving. You take your pick. I mean, I think we'd all agree that even if you have absolutely no depth whatsoever, you make that deal for Giannis onto right? Mm-hmm. You're with of me course. on that? Of course. Okay. All right. Well, let's leave him out because that one's easy. Yeah. Um, Drew Holiday. That's the guy that's been talked about a lot. And I, and I have to admit, Drew Holiday on this team would be a great fit, just from a defensive standpoint. I mean, the perimeter defense would improve greatly with a guy like Drew. He can hit threes. He's been in this league for a while. I I love Drew Holiday on this roster, but I can't do it in a deal for Karis LeVert. Now, you're telling me it's a trade, and I love Spencer Dinwiddie, but you're telling me the trade is built around Dinwiddie and picks and what have you, and maybe Jared Allen. I'm kind of iffy on that. Okay, like I'd be more open to it. But you would agree that you would not trade Karis LeVert in a deal for Drew Holiday? No,
1: you can't have all of those assets, all of those players involved for one guy of his stature. No, it's it's just, right. You want to talk about the Dinwiddies in the package, then we can get in a, into a discussion where maybe this makes sense. But not all of these guys. It's too much.
0: I agree. If you can work out a deal where you get Holiday and Lavert is not in the deal, you'll probably make something work that I'd sign off on. Lavert being the deal to me, Non-starter. I don't think this one is overly realistic, but you know the LA Clippers are kind of self-investigating themselves after that debacle. Paul George,
1: <sighs> pre-bubble, yes, <laughs> and I and I'm not even talking about. I and I know there was some stuff going on with him and and er, er, everything on that side of things, but just from a pure basketball standpoint. He scares me a little bit. He seems like a, a locker room wrecker, and I, I, I'm turned off by that right now. So I would say stock down on on George if it means you're giving up Levert, Dinwiddie, Allen picks. I think that's too much for Paul. I'd rather have the depth.
0: Yeah. Okay, so here's the, here's the thing about Paul George. It's very difficult to kind of look away from what happened in the bubble, and I understand why you're not doing that. If this was pre-bubble, like you pointed out, this is an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, this would be such a perfect fit. And I think with him, I would roll the dice where I'd say, you know what? He comes here. I mean, look, there's going to be pressure on everybody. Obviously, even Steve Nash said it the other day, it's to win an NBA championship. But you put a guy like that, a six-eight guy who can guard multiple positions, who's been all defense multiple times, who's clearly got something to prove, playing alongside an elite player like Kevin Durant. I probably, when push comes to sh- push comes to shove, would do it. I doubt it's out there. I think it's worth talking about just because the L.A. Clippers are investigating themselves. I mean, they got rid of Doc Rivers. Who would have thought that? Right. Now, I think that's more realistic than trading Paul George after they just mortgaged the world to get Paul George, to get Kawhi Leonard there. But, look, they are desperate to win an NBA title. I mean, they, they invested a lot in making and really moving heaven and earth to get Kawhi there. So it's not the most impossible thing in the world but I would lean towards yes, because I don't think necessarily we should look at what happened in that bubble in the postseason. And he was bad. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Playoff P wasn't exactly playoff P I'd have to give that, that one a lot of thought because he's still in the prime of his career. He's an elite level defender. And that's what this team needs. I mean, more than anything, they're going to be able to score a ton of points. We know that. Are they going to be able to defend enough and to win an NBA championship, which is obviously the goal here, you have to defend. And that's the one thing that they're missing. So, I think long and hard about Paul George, just like for the same reason. Even though they're different players, I think long and hard about Rudy Gobert. I mean, that's another one who I'd have to, boy, you know. It, you talk about elite defensively, a rim protector like that. And I don't know how the mix would work with Rudy playing the five, and I guess Kevin Durant at the four. I don't know how Steve Nash is going to play him. He could play him at the three, which I doubt he will. I bet you they're going to go small and play Kevin. Not not that Kevin is small, but I bet you right. they play
1: him at the four. I'd have to think about Rudy Gobert. What about him? The Rudy element would be fascinating because, like you mentioned, I mean, the elite level rim protector. I mean, you're taking Jared Allen and just make it, you're getting a much better version of somebody inside in the paint that can do the dirty work, rebound, block shots, defend. He'd be fascinating in that. And that's a weird trade combination. Like, what would what would even excite Utah on that side of things? Because they got their they got their their star in Mitchell. You know, he, the build around him. So I guess uh, on that front, you'd have to give up Karis and Spencer, and obviously Jared yeah. Allen to get a center back. But don't forget too, like Karis LeVert's—you know—he's—he's he's good defender. I mean, he was able to guard the perimeter. He's their best on-ball defender on the defensive side, I would say, right now from a guard standpoint. So if you're giving him up in a trade, yeah, you're getting a defender back, but you are losing some of that guard play because, I mean, I saw that John Wall mixtape video, like. Kyrie Irving can't guard anybody right now, and like defensively, <laughs> you know that would scare me. I well, I like, I guess. Evan, what I'm saying is, I like Karras as protection there for Kyrie, and I even like the idea of exploring of playing Karras at the one and Kyrie at the two if he's up for it. I think there could be some cool combinations. I, I'm a, I, maybe I'm in the in the moment with it, but I feel like like Karras is going to take the next step, and and he's good enough on the he's good enough to be your third star to win a title
0: well you hit on something that's not being talked about enough and I think it's a part of why giving up Karras Levert in any kind of deal to me would have to bring back not just a star but an elite level defender as well Karras is their best defensive player and that's almost forgotten about so if you're moving him in a deal for Bradley Beal I mean you're taking a step back defensively mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it so The only reason why a guy like Rudy Gobert and Paul George would intrigue me is, in George's case, George is a tremendous all-around player, but he's a great defensive player, and that's an aspect of this team that can't be ignored. Now, I appreciated that Steve Nash has brought that up a lot in the early going about how important it is to defend, because that's how you win titles, and you know, right now, when you look at this roster, that's probably the thing, along with a little bit more size, especially at the four, that they're missing, but... I don't think any of this stuff is actually going to happen. No. Like, I I really don't because I don't think Paul George will be moved. I don't think Rudy Gobert will be moved. And I really don't think, because of something you mentioned earlier about Durant's love for Karis LeVert, that they're really actively shopping him everywhere. I think the guy to keep an eye on is Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen. I think those two guys can definitely be moved. They obviously are in bed with DeAndre Jordan. We know that. I believe that there is a lot of smoke to the fire of you know, Kenny Atkinson gets fired, then all of a sudden DeAndre Jordan's the starter. Now, who starts and who sits to me is overrated. It's all about the minutes, yeah, and which minutes you're playing. And even though Allen did show some great improvement during the bubble, that's a, him and Dinwiddie are the two guys. If they're gonna make some kind of move, I think it's much more likely they trade those two guys. A hell of a lot more than Karis.
1: I would agree with that completely because I think they see Karis as somebody that they can keep around and build for the future and be part of this organization long term. You know, as far as contracts are concerned, like Dinwiddie and Allen are in different places where they're going to have to make decisions if they want these guys to be part of the franchise long term. So they might be, if the deal is right, willing to. To get rid of them in a trade because they don't want to commit to them money wise long term, so maybe it's easier to bring in a holiday if it's a Dimwitty and an Allen in a trade. And from that standpoint, they've got their roster. But I, I, I'm with you. I think Levert is somebody they feel can be the third star on this team. Give them some value when Kyrie Irving is hurt. Can play clearly. We saw you know can can be the guy that holds, I don't even want to say point guard, but is the one controlling the offense with the ball. That's what he did in the bubble. That's when they made, that's when Jacques Vaughn, correct me if I'm wrong, made the switch. They put him at uh, with the ball, and all of a sudden they were winning basketball games and made a huge difference. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's Allen, it's Dinwiddie, and those are the guys, if they were going to make a move, they would deal and then f- pick up the pieces free agency-wise, but... Uh, Again, I, I come back to it. Like I, I think this is the, like you, I think this is the roster and then it's all just about the couple of moves here and there they make on free agency.
0: Let me, let me throw a name at you. He's not an elite level player though. He is a a multiple time all-star and he's an NBA champion. And maybe at first when I say it, you're going to be like, what? Why is he available? (laughs)
1: Kyle Lowry, your thoughts. Hmm. That was the one I did not think you were going to say, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I like. Lo- I mean, that's obviously he's a great on the ball defender. Um, boy, he was a pain in the takes ass. takes those charges better oh than my anybody. God, was baby. he a pain in the ass in the bubble? Uh, <laughs> what What are you saying? Like Spencer and Allen for Lowry kind of deal?
0: Well, I, first of all, let's assess why I think a guy like that could be available. Okay. I, I think the Toronto Raptors, if they decide, or even if they do decide to pay Fred Van Vliet, They're going to look at Kyle Lowry. They're going to see a guy who's 34, 35 years old, and they may say we won our NBA championship, and the odds are we're not going to win another NBA championship, so let's cash out on Kyle Lowry, who's in the final year of his contract. He's going to make $30 million, which is a hefty tag. So any trade you try to build for Lowry, you got to keep that in mind, trying to make the numbers work. So I— from a Toronto perspective, you can start to wonder aloud, like, would they say, Hey, final year of a deal, 35 years old. We won an NBA title. We're not completely giving up. We're not, you know, tanking. We still have a good core to build around, but let's cash out on this guy. Like, I I think it could make a lot of sense. He makes a lot of sense for the Milwaukee bucks. Oh yeah. Probably be the team trying to get him. But you know, to add that kind of veteran, I think now we can call Kyle Lowry a winner three years ago. We wouldn't have said that, but Hey, things change. You mentioned his ability to defend, your ability of your Steve Nash to play Kyrie Irving off ball a little bit, also protect yourself in case there's an injury to Kyrie Irving. Uh does the little things on the floor that you need to win an NBA title? I, I don't I, I wouldn't trade Karis Levert, obviously. No. And I'm not sure what kind of package would entice Toronto. And I, I can't stand Kyle Lowry, but that's mostly out of respect for him. Sure, obviously. But that would be a very interesting going for it veteran piece to get your hands on.
1: Yeah, the problem is if that doesn't work, boy, you're doomed. I mean, because then you've just lost all your young – not all of them, but you've lost all these pieces to make a trade for being all in. And if for whatever reason he didn't work because of age, whatever the reason, you'd be in a tough spot. I But on the surface, for the one year – I think that'd be a very interesting backcourt. You could use Kyle, you could use Lowry to hide the uh, deficiencies of Kyrie on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, as you mentioned, he's a winner. I love, I love that in the short term. It would scare me, and I'd have to think about it if what the package is because he's at the very end of his career. Uh, but I, I do think though what you said about Milwaukee—that's like the perfect piece what's like exactly what they're missing in Milwaukee on a, on like a a realistic side of plans, obviously like, Oh, they're missing LeBron, but like what they're missing, a veteran point guard that's won before that's a leader, you know, that that's been there. Uh, I think that makes so much sense for the bucks. If they could pull that off.
0: And and you know, it's funny. You mentioned in your answer about, you know, boy, if it doesn't work out, you're really kind of screwing yourself. I, I, I'm in this weird spot where obviously you and I and every Net fan listening wants to win an NBA title. We've never seen them win an NBA championship, and you would sell whatever draft pick and whatever asset if it assured you winning an NBA title. Nothing would. Of course. But I still think in my mind when looking at trades, I want to keep this team able to build moving forward even after Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are gone. And I know that's almost an impossible thing. I mean, you look at what the Lakers gave up to get Anthony Davis to LA you look at what the Clippers gave up to get Paul George to LA with Kawhi Leonard they're going all in they don't have draft assets for basically the next half a decade and if they win an NBA title it's completely worth it I love the fact that the Nets are still for now and that can change mm-hmm. very quickly in a really good position to pivot once this run ends they haven't given up much future draft picks they have a draft pick this year they have all their first round picks moving forward. They've got some young pieces that could be a part of this core long-term, specifically Karis LeVert, maybe Jared Allen. So I do like the idea of moves you make with an eye on, okay, how is this going to look four or five years from now? Obviously, that's not the case with a guy like Kyle Lowry. And I I get that if it means winning an NBA championship, everything I just said you could throw out the window. But I guess I'm still a romantic for Hmm. I want to keep this team in a position to where if this doesn't work, it isn't like what happened a few years ago when it didn't work with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. I mean, we went through hell for a half a decade. Like, they were in no position to kind of pick up the pieces. Right now, as we sit here today, if this doesn't work, we'll be massively disappointed, but they haven't buried themselves. That's the, the biggest difference. I mean, there's a lot of differences between the move they made with Boston a few years ago, obviously, but that's certainly one of them. They haven't given up the future in making a run with this court
1: no they're not so if if it wouldn't work if it didn't work and Kyrie Irving was a mess and Kevin Durant's like this is not where I want to be and blah 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 and they doesn't it work out they you're right they still have young players and Lavert uh maybe you know knock on wood like maybe Nicholas Claxton develops into a player he could be something and they have the draft picks which then lends me to believe that there's something left for Sean Marks to do because I could imagine if Kevin Durant goes to Sean Marks and says, okay, maybe it's not this offseason. Maybe it's at the trade deadline. There's avail- there's an available guy we could bring in right now that could just put us over the top. I think then those draft picks are moved. Uh, sure. But again, if, it, if it's to get you to a title, I mean, so be it. So I, 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 I see what you're saying, and you're right. It's very fair. Like They aren't in a terrible spot if those picks – uh, if the team didn't work out. But I do have this feeling at some point those assets will be moved if it's because Kevin Durant wants to or Sean Marks wants right. to. They will be out of the Nets' uh, back pocket. a
0: right, couple of things. Let's get to the obvious. We haven't said the name Joe Harris in general. Uh, there is zero reason for the Nets not to re-sign Joe Harris. If they don't, it'll be a disgrace. If they don't, it would mean Joseph Sy doesn't want to pay a tax bill. You've got to pay a tax bill if you want to win an NBA championship. You're you're
1: confident though
0: that Joe will be back, that they'll take care of Joe Harris?
1: I'm 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 confident they will take care of him. I, just from I mean, obviously if they lowball him, he's not going to be here. So if the Nets are willing to pay, I can't imagine Joe Harris, who the Nets gave him life, gave him a chance, brought him to this organization, developed him, brought him to become a elite level three pointer three-point shooter, to the next phase and finishing around the basket, to what we saw in the bubble, becoming an NBA player that's more than just a guy that can stand behind the three-point line and stretch the basket. I think Joe, and I, I hope so, wants to see this thing throughout. He was here at the very bottom, and now he has a chance to re-sign and be with the team at the very top, not winning a title yet, but from where they started to where they are now. If the Nets can just get in, give that money. I don't know why he would leave. Now, if the Nets say yeah. we're gonna lowball you, I get it, man. Go make your money. I'm not. I'm never gonna tell anybody not to. But if the money's there, I can't imagine him saying, "Man, everything we've been to, I'm gonna move on and and head on over to another organization and and go through a rebuild again." I think he's ready well, to we'll win. win
0: if if ultimately joe harris took less money because he wants to take 25 shots a game and you know be on a lousy team but he wants the ball in his hands constantly god bless him you yeah. know that's really what he wants god bless him i'm not going to hold any grudge the nets have to show him the money yeah. and i would agree with you if they show him the money i, I would believe based on everything joe harris has said he'd want to come back and i think he's a really important part of the puzzle that this team's trying to put together. Uh, we all dream of Serge Ibaka. I don't know, man. I mean, you're basically going to need Serge Ibaka to take significantly less money to go chase another championship. Does he love Kevin Durant enough to do that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, may- maybe maybe he's made enough money in his career where he's like, yeah, let's do it. That's the dream free agent signing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be confident, though, that that's going to happen. I know stars can do kind of cool things where they can convince veterans to take less money to do it but I am not holding my breath for Serge, even though he would be the ideal fit for this it's roster.
1: It's funny. There's guys like, obviously he's missed shots in his career, but I think of NBA players when they go up against the nets and I'm like, has that guy ever missed a shot against the nets? Every time he <laughs> shoots, I swear it goes in from Serge Ibaka. Yeah. He, he'd be the dream man. Like a uh, stretch the floor, shoot, defend yep. block shots. I mean, he'd be a perfect guy to come in there. Um, There'll be somebody, Evan. I, yeah. you know, I don't know who it is, but there's going to be a veteran that sees this situation. You know, is convinced I want to go for a title, and I think he comes in. I, who that is, I'm not sure, but I think it, uh, hopefully Serge Bach could be great. But there'll be somebody that they bring in that wants to, yeah, try I, to win I, the title.
0: I could see a guy like Marcus Morris possibly doing something like that. You know, I think a guy like that. I mean, this team needs size. They need. You know, guys who can bang, guys who are 6'8", 6'9", guys who can stretch the floor and shoot, which Morris can do. Uh, That's really what they need. It's just going to be tough, you know, from a financial standpoint to make it fit. Right. But, you know, as we sit here today, maybe three and a half, four weeks before this offseason begins, I think I would be good if this is essentially the roster. Because... We haven't seen it. I mean, that was the thing we talked about prior to the bubble and why I wanted to see Kevin Durant give it a try in the bubble, not because I thought they were going to win an NBA championship, but I want to see this. I want to, I want to give this a try. And I know there's a clock here. You know, Kevin Durant's not going to be in his prime forever. If you want to say this is a two-year window or a three-year window, whatever it is, I get it. I understand it. And, and trust me, after year one or maybe by the trade deadline, I'll have a different view and say, all right, we got to make some big moves. But I am very intrigued in seeing this roster, the way it's built right now, with a slight change here and there, a slight add here and there. I'm really intrigued just seeing what this roster, the way it's constructed now, could do.
1: And I know it's so simple, but it really just, in, a, in, in the long run, boils down to how good is Kevin Durant when he's on the basketball court? If Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, and I, I hate saying that because I know it's been said so many times, but it's like if Durant goes on the court and he balls out and he's Kevin freaking Durant, like... The roster's good enough to definitely make it to the finals, and we'll see what happens. I mean, you're giving yourself a top three player in the league that's that dynamic of a score that can't be stopped. The Nets are going to be a force, and with all that, it's like Karis Levert, Joe Harris, Garrett Temple, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. These guys are enough around him to win a championship, in my opinion, and go out there Let's. at least. It. But it's just it all hinges on. Kevin Durant's got to be great. And that's why they, uh, you know, that's, that's the gamble they took, you know? Indeed.
0: Let's go. Let's play. We'll do another one of these after the offseason ends. It'll basically be an off season ends, preseason's about to begin podcast. Yes. And I think we'll have, to, we'll have to do it as one. But it's always good talking to you. Mike Biseglia. what's your Twitter handle so people can give you a follow? Absolutely. Give you a Th- love there. Thank
1: you, Evan. At Mike Delivers Pod. At Mike Delivers Pod.
0: All right, Mike Bisseglia, this has been a Brooklyn Nets off-season preview edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.